and I'll be bringing this uh, bit of a different message time for us this morning, because this is the fifth week in our teaching series, A Praying Church, where we've been leaning into some different prayer rhythms and some of the different ways that God has been calling us, inviting us into becoming a praying people, a praying church church. And so we've been focusing over the, the last four weeks, really, around what we called our, our daily prayer rhythm. And so you remember, you know, we talk about in the morning, pray the Lord's Prayer, and Hannah brought a great message on that last Sunday. If you missed it, I encourage you, jump online, jump on the podcast, have a listen. Definitely worth it. Uh, in, the, in the midday, stopping and pausing to pray for those in our lives who we know are not following Jesus, those who are lost, who the Father longs to welcome welcome home, and, uh, and then in the evenings to pray gratitude. So if you missed any of those teachings, you can go back, listen online, encourage you to do so. Uh, but today, we're going to do things a little bit differently. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak for about 15 minutes or so. David's going to set the timer. And then we're going to pray. We're actually going to pray, because what, we, what, we're, what we're talking about this morning is praying together. So a lot of what we've talked about in terms of the daily prayer rhythm can be practiced either with others or on our own, and both is great, but what we actually see throughout the Scriptures, all the way through the Scriptures, again and again and again and again, is this pattern of praying together. So this morning, we're talking about the good old prayer meeting. Who loves a good old prayer meeting? All right, we got three hands. That's better than nine o'clock. At nine o'clock, I think we got one hand, you know? And I think that just reveals something about, you know, uh, the state of things. Like, let's be real and honest for a minute, right? Because, you know, one of our values as a church is we want to be open and honest. This is who we are. And let's be real and honest. I've been been kind of polling a few different people over the last couple of weeks in preparation for this morning, because knowing knowing this was coming up this morning and going, what comes to mind when you think about the good old prayer meeting? And uh, you can imagine some of the responses. This morning at nine o'clock, someone raised their hand and said, intimidation. I feel intimidated praying with those who are real genuine intercessors and prayer warriors and all that. I'm like, oh, that's a good response. But that's not what I heard over the last couple of weeks. The number one response I heard was boring. Anyone? Another one was, I actually come away feeling rather depressed. Because you go to a prayer meeting, everyone shares all the bad stuff going on in their lives, you know, like kind of like watching the news, you know what I mean? Like it's just kind of like this, this litany of all the bad stuff going on in the world, and so you sit around in a prayer meeting, and I remember talking about this with another pastor friend of mine who says, yeah, those prayer meetings, you know, where you don't actually feel a lift in the Spirit, it's kind of like, he calls them toilet bowl prayer meetings, because it's like everyone's standing around just watching this with the water kind of circle and go down, and all the energy and life go out of the room, you know what I mean? You ever been in one of those prayer meetings? You know what I'm talking about, right? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, and, um, and, and, you know, but I think actually the truth is, uh, underneath all of this, as I've been reflecting on it, like, like there's, there's, there's nothing that'll bring the people out and bring the people together than saying, hey, we've got a prayer meeting on, seven o'clock Wednesday night, come along. Three people, right? Crickets. Like, we as Westerners, for some reason, we have this aversion of coming along to prayer meetings, right? Gathering to pray. There's something about it that I, and, and here's, my, here's my suspicion, here's my hunch. I think it has something to do, you know, we could talk about, well, it's because we're so busy and we just don't have time for it. Nah, we make time for the things that we prioritize, right? We'll, we'll make time for things we prioritize. Uh, maybe it's because actually we just have such a low ebb of faith and our unbelief is so high. Well, there could be, 
could be a part of that. I think actually maybe the biggest issue in all of this is that when we come to prayer, it feels like we're not actually doing anything. Like we're not accomplishing, we're not achieving, we're not actually producing anything, and so therefore we just go, well, what's the point of it? It's not really worth it, right? Can I just pull back the covers on that for a minute and just name that as, this is the secular myth, friends. This is the way our culture has conditioned us to believe that accomplishing, achieving, producing something is the good life. That is success. That is growth and maturity. But it's all based on this earthly, physical realm as being reality and all that there is. So, it may look and feel like we're actually achieving nothing when the truth couldn't, it couldn't be further from the truth. When we pray, we transcend this earthly physical reality. We don't just, as, as one of our, our servant leader prayer meeting on Monday night, we don't just settle for realistic. But we pray with optimism and hope. We pray with belief and faith that God transcends this earthly, physical plane and that there is such a thing as a spiritual and a heavenly realm that influences and impacts and shapes our experience in the physical and the earthly. There was a little bit of an amen. I was expecting a little bit more confidence on that, you know. <laughs> you know. So, you know, I don't know about you, but I've actually found when, when, when I pray together with other people, it grows my faith more than when I pray on my own. When I pray together with other people, I hear difference of, of perspective and difference, different levels of belief, and, and that spurs me on, as the writer of Hebrews talks about. It spurs, it, it ignites faith in me, and my own faith starts to rise, because I've not only stood in those kind of prayer meetings where it's like, oh yeah, this is a bit of a downer, right? But I've been in those prayer meetings where it feels like the, 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 the ceiling just opens up and heaven comes down, and it's like we pray in the Lord's Prayer every Sunday, the Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And things start to break out and break through. You know, it's where I've learned to pray, more than reading books, more than attending workshops and seminars and trainings, and, and, and more than praying on my own. Praying with other people has taught me how to pray more than anything else. Whether it's in those prayer meetings where you're, you're praying together around a specific set of things or whether it's uh, you know, like in ministry times where you're partnered with someone else and praying for and ministering to another person and blessing the work of the Holy Spirit in that moment in that person's life where we just join with and partner with them. And, and I love that it's actually an opportunity to practice a bit of collective discernment. Oh, I think maybe God might be wanting this, or God might be, you know, I, I sense this, or you get a picture or a word or something like that, and with the collection of people around you, they can affirm it, they can, oh, I'm, I'm not sure if that's 100%, it might be more this way, you know, they can help correct it and re-guide it. You can, it's that checking and confirming that, that's been so valuable in shaping me as I've learned to pray. And, uh, and so I dream, you know, the, the daily prayer, prayer rhythm is, is awesome. And I hope that when you hear us over the last four weeks, you know, like the, the heart and the spirit behind the daily prayer rhythm is not to be some legalistic thing where, you know, you're adding gold stickers to some heavenly sticker chart. You know, like that's, that, you, that's not the point of it. The point of it is that we're becoming increasingly like Jesus that we're pausing multiple times throughout the day to be with Him, to commune with Him, to attend our heart and minds and reconnect our spirit with those things that matter most to Him. 
because when we do that consistently, it's training ourselves in righteousness, that we become more and more like Him. That's the whole heart, that's the whole hope, and my dream and my vision isn't just that we become really good at praying some daily prayer rhythm. That's not my dream, that's not my hope for you. The thing that I want for you is that prayer becomes as natural as breathing. That any time you're on your own and you're out for a walk, it's just like prayer, because this is actually the way the saints of the church talk about prayer. They talk about prayer being like breath is for our physical life, so prayer is for our spiritual life. It's the thing that keeps our souls connected to God. And so it's those constant little, throughout the day, thank you God for this, I see you doing that Lord. What's happening in this situation? God, checking in with God constantly. Anytime you're together with other believers, you're praying. So when you gather with a life group during the week, you pray. When we gather here on Sundays, we pray. Doesn't matter if it's a large gathering or a small gathering. If you're in your LTG, you pray. Whether you're with believers from the well or or, or believers from any other church, you pray that this be the thing that just becomes so second nature, like like it's breathing for us. That's my dream, that, that we would become, uh, here at the well, that we would become indeed, like Isaiah talks about in Isaiah 56, that we would become a house of prayer for the nations, for all people, that that would be true of us, that we would be a praying people, a praying church, that it's just second nature and it just flows out of us. Because when we pray, we invite the power of God to move in any given situation. Now that's true when we pray on our own, but it's even more powerful and effective when we pray together with others. That's why we're regularly encouraged throughout the Scriptures to pray together. Jesus says, where two or more are gathered in my name, He's right there. He's right there with us. The very person and presence of Jesus in that midst, in a special way, shapes and guides us in our praying in ways that are different than when we just pray on our own. And so I invite you, you know, to journey with me. We're just going to hop through the Scriptures. I just, want, I just want you to get a sense of how consistent this is throughout the Scriptures, how, like, bedded into the nature of the people of God it's been. So we're just going to hop, hop and skip and jump through the Old Testament, through Jesus' life, and then through the, the Acts, uh, you know, it, it, briefly. You know, but all the way back in the very, very beginning, the first time the Bible even references the people of God, it says, it introduces them as a praying people. It says in, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, uh, it says, at, the, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Then you go just a couple of chapters later, and before they even recognize and honor Abraham for his faith, they recognize that Abraham was one who called out to God, called upon the name of the Lord in Genesis chapter 12. Um, in fact, and then, the, you know, this people that God set apart to be his very own and became named as Israel, right? Israel, the name itself means one who contends or one who struggles with God. It's a similar word, actually, for the word intercession, or where we get the idea of intercessory prayer or contending prayer is the same kind of idea. And of course, we know that Israel's book of prayer, the Psalms, is without equal throughout all of human history. It's been without parallel. You know, uh, to be an Israelite was to be one who prays, to be a prayer, right? 
The temple itself that became central to the life of the people of God was known as a house of prayer. And it did lots of different things. People would gather in worship and sacrifice animals and give their tithes and eat the the showbread and yet all of that stuff. But when the temple, when Solomon first dedicated the temple, you can read about this in 1 Kings chapter 8, he focuses primarily on prayer. He talks about, he prays through, and, and in, his, in his dedication prayer, he prays through seven different challenges that the people of God, the Israelites will face, and he ends each of those seven challenges with the same refrain. He says, he says whatever prayer, whatever plea is made by any man or by all your people Israel, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act. It's this bold acknowledgement of we are people who call upon the name of God to pray. And this just then permeates the worldview and how people lived and functioned all the way through the Old Testament. So Jonah, when Jonah is, you know, in the, in the belly of this fish, um, it, it, it's this idea of temple. He says, my prayer came to you into your holy temple, into the place where you dwell, Jonah says. And even when the Israelites are carried off into Babylon and they're away from the temple, It says that Daniel climbed the stairs three times a day, knelt down and faced towards the temple in Jerusalem and prayed to God, cried out to God, as he always had, over and over and over again. Then the Old Testament prophets, they, again, they refer to this, then they look forward to a day when God will transform all of those broken prayers by giving them a new heart and a new spirit placing God's Spirit inside, making, making, making inside of us our soul to be the very temple of God where His presence dwells, that God will get, get Himself inside of us by pouring out my Spirit is what Joel 2 says. Uh, Even the nations will come to this house of prayer like Isaiah 56 verse 7 says, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And then Jesus, you know, Jesus models a life of prayer before the disciples. You see it all through the Gospels. He's, he's regularly praying consistently over and over and over again. He's in constant communion with the Father such that he's, it says that he, he doesn't even speak a word, doesn't even speak a word that isn't from the Father, that isn't given to him by the Father. He's in such communion with the Father. He's, he's getting up early in the morning and going off to pray, sometimes on his own. He's getting the disciples regularly along to synagogue where they gather and they pray, you know, praying together over and over and over again. And then in Luke chapter 11, Hannah pro, you know, taught on this just last week, where the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus does. And he gives them the Lord's prayer, which says, our Father, right from the very beginning, Notice, notice the Lord's Prayer, all of the pronouns are plural, they're not singular. We often think God gave us this prayer to pray and it's for me, right? We think of it in individual terms, it's not. This is a church that He gave to us as the people of God, for us to pray together. This is one for us to pray collectively together like we, you know, like we do every Sunday here where we pray the exact words together of the Lord's Prayer. But like Hannah taught last week, it's not something we just pray those words through and tick, we're done. No, no, no. Use it as a way to pray the themes, the, the, the big, the kind of major themes throughout and that shapes the way in which we pray each morning. And by the way, that's how this practice, this daily routine, this daily rhythm of pra- praying the Lord's Prayer each morning stays fresh and alive. 
that, that it, it, it introduces a bit of variety is by praying the themes, you know? I don't know about you, but like some people go, oh, yeah, that daily prayer rhythm, that sounds all good, Clint, but I like a little bit more variety throughout my, you know, days and weeks, and I like to pray in different ways. And um, hey, if that's true of you, bless you, so long as you're praying, you know? Like that's the, that's, the main, that's the main goal. But I just know for myself, I like the idea of variety. I really do enjoy, enjoy a lot of variety when it comes to food and, you know, different experiences, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and when it comes to like, ex- you know, like praying, I like the idea of variety. But I got to tell you, when it comes to actually practicing that in my own prayer life, I've found that I spend more time thinking about how I might pray than actually praying. Anyone? Where you go, oh, what am I, how am I going to pray at midday today? Well, I might just, uh, let me think about it. And I'll think about it for about 20 minutes or so and then pray for two minutes because I need to get on to the next thing. Anyone? You know, let's be real, right? So that's what I've actually really loved about the daily prayer rhythm is it just kind of sets in place. I don't have to do that 20 minutes of figuring out how I'm going to pray. I just dive in and pray. And I get get to praying. And when you pray the themes of the Lord's Prayer, then He leads you and guides you in different ways every single single day, in different ways. There's different things that come to mind that He leads you and you pray into that. And that becomes the focus, you know, Um, around provision, say, one day for for a certain family who's heavy on your heart. And then the next day, you're praying for forgiveness over something, you know, like whatever it might be. And and those themes just come alive in different ways. And so I found it actually a really helpful. It's not been like this rote routine, fixed, same every day. No, the the rhythms like actually allow enough variety that I've I've really found it worthwhile and enjoyable. Hopefully that's been true for you. So Jesus gives us this prayer, and this is our prayer for praying together. And then after his resurrection, he says, "Now we got to get this spirit." You know, like the prophets said, we need to get the Holy Spirit inside of them. Inside of the disciples, inside of the church, you know, and so he breathed on them in John 20 and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And then we see through the journey of the Acts, you know, Luke Acts kind of serving, Luke wrote both, you know, volume one, volume two. We often, an Acts in its full term is actually known as the Acts of the Apostles. I think it's probably better referred to as the Acts of Jesus Christ, part two, um, and written by Luke. And, 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 and I heard a, a preacher once referred to it as acts in a lot of ways is just commentary between prayer meetings and so i challenge you this week this is your homework friends go and read through the book of acts it's 28 chapters and every time you see and they were together praying just make note of it see how often it shows up all the way through acts yes there's signs and wonders yes there's demonstrations of power yes there's miraculous things happening but those are like the commentary in between the prayer meetings, like the rhythmic beating all the way through Acts. Let me just demonstrate for a second, because we see in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, now wait until the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you, and I, and you will receive power, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Six verses later, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They all join together constantly in prayer. They all join together constantly in prayer. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Down towards the end of Acts chapter 1, they realize, oh, by the way, Judas is not among us anymore. We need to replace him as one of the 12 disciples. How are we going to do this? It was one of the 12 apostles. How are we going to do this? And it says in, in, in chapter 1, verse 24, then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you've chosen. They prayed. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. They're all together in an upper room, doing what? 
Yeah, see, you guys are onto it. You're going places, I can tell. Yeah, 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 you're switched on. And they're praying, and the Holy Spirit comes, and it's Pentecost, and the Spirit breaks out, and they're speaking in other languages, and it's this amazing demonstration of God's power all throughout Jerusalem. Everyone's talking about it. Peter stands up, preaches this message in the power of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus that day, are added to their number. Miraculous. Crazy, right? And what does it say right on the heels of that? Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. To prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. This is in the early church, Acts, uh, the early church, right? And we, um, right on the heels of that, Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says that Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. So they're heading to the temple to pray, and there's a beggar sitting outside the gates. And they say, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand and walk. Miraculous healing. Quite a stir, right? And we love to focus on the healings and the miraculous and the, and the breakthroughs of what God does in the moment, and, and, and all this stuff. Amazing. But it's all fueled all the way through Acts with this rhythm of prayer. Acts chapter four, verse 31, it says, and they were all together praying. It says, uh, after they prayed, verse 31, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Even though they were facing persecution, even though they were stirring up all kinds of trouble and getting into trouble and, and it wasn't looking good for them, they spoke, the, they, the, the thing that they prayed for was, pray that I would speak the word more boldly. Paul, that's what he asked other people to pray for him when, you know, like when he's facing all kinds of suffering and persecution and trouble, he's like, pray that I would speak the gospel more, with more courage, with more boldness. Acts chapter 10, Peter goes up onto a roof to pray and receives this vision from heaven where God calls him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Acts chapter 12, Peter's miraculously led out of jail after being imprisoned, and where does he go? He goes and knocks on the door at the prayer meeting, because everyone's together, devoted to prayer. Remember, that's just who they are as, as in the early church. And we wonder, friends, why don't we see more signs and wonders and manifestations of God's Spirit breaking out here on earth as it is in heaven? There's got to be a connection, right? May we be a praying people and a praying church. I'll let you continue on through the rest of Acts in your homework later this week, because now we're going to turn and we're going to pray. And here's the thing. I've been really stirred this past week by um, believing that I want to see the culture shift in our prayer, prayer gatherings, that we become a praying church, that we pray more often together, that when we pray, we trust that actually when we pray, we're transcending this earthly physical plane and we're tapping into heaven and the power of God, we're, we're, we're calling heaven to earth, you know? that we're joining and aligning our hearts with what God is wanting to do in and around our world. And so there's this, this quote that's been, you know, like I, I've been rattled by a number of different times and I share it with us this morning that's, that just to kind of remind us of the significance of it because uh, David Fritch writes this, he says, don't despise your small prayer gatherings. Every major revival has its origins with a small band of intercessors faithfully crying out. Small gatherings precede big breakthroughs. When we gather to worship and pray, regardless of size, get this, we convene the very court of heaven on earth. 
our prayer gatherings are the most important and powerful gatherings in our city. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? And so we have a real actual invitation and response coming in just a couple of weeks. You know we have a monthly prayer rhythm of stopping on the first day of every month, no matter where it lands, you know, whatever day of the week it is, on the first of the month we have pray first, 7 p.m. on the first of every month. Coming in two weeks' time, or just a couple of weeks' time, on Tuesday morning, the 7th of November, we're going to start a 7 a.m. weekly prayer rhythm, prayer gathering, where you're all invited, 7 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, come before work, we're going to gather, we'll pray, it'll be about an hour, we're going to worship, we're going to pray, and we're going to convene the courts of heaven on earth, see his kingdom come and his will be done, amen?